This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. Today, guest host Dante Bellini Jr. welcomes actor John O'Hurley to the program for our Thanksgiving special. All right, a little something different for the first time in, what, 260 episodes of the Bartholomew Town Podcast? Welcoming in a guest host for today's episode, and that person being my good friend and Rhode Island legend filmmaker Dante Bellini Jr., who welcomes in actor John O'Hurley, of course, of Seinfeld and Dog Show fame, much more, and they get into that as well in the episode here on our, I guess, our Thanksgiving Day special. And boy, there's been a lot going on here in B-Town, of course, staying right on top of the COVID situation here in the Ocean State, which is really moving into a dangerous zone, extremely high numbers of positive cases and um, new restrictions coming. And you can listen to the previous episode for my thoughts on whether or not those restrictions that are coming on November 30th go far enough. So check that out, my uh, my thoughts on the new COVID restrictions, that episode, which was recorded from my van <laughs> moments after the governor's press conference last week. So, um, you know, this is fun. We've got Dante Bellini, who I also do the Fill-In Guys podcast. Now, we had this great plan. Actually, Dante came up with it, where we were going to go to different Rhode Island restaurants once a month and have conversations with interesting people. Well, we um, we ran into somewhat of a roadblock with that, given the uh, the situations with restaurants and COVID right now. We do have a few of those episodes posted at thefillinguys.buzzsprout.com, or you can just look for The Fill-In Guys wherever you're listening right now. I'll be filling in on the radio this week on WPRO on Wednesday and Friday from noon until 3. That's fun because we could do a little live talk on the broadcast. And I have to say, I took this weekend off from Twitter and social media in general, and wow. What a refreshing and reinvigorating experience, and I'm almost kind of like on half vacation, if not for the fact that I am working on a ton of stuff for the PBS TV show and um, some other B-Town podcast stuff that'll be coming out in December, so staying busy, but boy, I I recommend it. If you have a chance to, especially if you're somebody who's like really in the thick of the the storylines of 2020, whether it's social justice, COVID-19, elections, all of these things that have dominated the conversation in 2020, it feels, and I guess it felt really good to step away from it for a moment and just get out in the woods and really go <laughs> take a take a second off. And uh, I highly recommend that because I know we have a robust community in the Bartholomew Town Podcast Facebook group at btown.stream and over on Twitter and Instagram at Bill Bartholomew. And um, we could all use a pause, right? And I'm not talking about Governor Raimondo's pause. I'm talking about an actual pause of social media, but I'm back on now, and you can find me there where I just described. Okay, Bartholomew Town is a listener-supported program. There's a few ways that you can help to grow this operation and sustain it. One is to share this episode wherever you like to, whether it's social media, if you're not taking a pause, or on WhatsApp, a text message, or just talk about it. That all helps. Another, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening right now. And lastly, if you want to go a step further, you may become a B-Town Insider. Simply head to patreon.com slash Town or click the support link where you're listening right now. For as little as $3 per month, you can help to sustain the independent journalism, opinion, analysis, and entertainment that we've become known for. For $10 per month, you become a B-Town Insider and you get yourself exclusive monthly content, including commentary from yours truly and others like Ian Donis, Ted Nisi, Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz, patreon.com slash Town. And I'm very excited, as I mentioned earlier, to let you know about some new things that are coming up in 2021. Even in December, there's some new stuff that's kind of make its way to the surface, been been cranking away, I promise you all, been cranking away. But today, the one and only 
Dante Bellini Jr. with a uniquely independent character in his own right, Mr. John O'Hurley here on Bartholomew Town. Enjoy this episode, and I'll talk to you on Friday on the pod on Wednesday, again, from noon until 3. Actually, it'll be from noon until 1 because the governor's got her presser. A power hour, noon to 1, I suppose, on WPRO. Okay, enjoy this episode with guest host Dante B. The dog show is one of uh, everyone's favorite shows this time of the year, and we're going to talk about that in a bit, but welcome, John. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm surviving under this uh, pandemic situation. I, uh, uh, you know, it's stressful. It's, uh, I tried to take a nap the other afternoon and my wife made me sign a do not resuscitate order. So it's it's difficult. That's not new. So I'm not sure what your point is. (laughs) What have you been up to? Seriously? Well, uh, you know, I have to say I've been kind of bu- I've been lucky enough to be busier than, than than most of my friends. I have an awful lot of recording that I do. Uh, I have an awful lot of uh, uh, endorsement activity that I have. Uh, so that's that that's been nice. Um, uh, and I've also been doing this crazy thing. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Cameo.com. <laughs> you know, I fought this for about a year, but basically, what it is, it's celebrities doing birthday shout outs and anniversary shout outs, retirement shout outs. And I finally said, all right, I'm going to do it because I have these, you know, Jay Peterman monologues that I have in my head and also that I love to write. And so they have developed something of a niche on, on this platform called cameo.com. And I got to tell you, I, the, the crazy things I am asked to do, you wouldn't believe. Um, the other day there was a funeral. And they were doing funeral videos of nostalgic memories of the deceased. And they asked me if I would conclude it by um, doing um, a a cameo or a little video piece on how she and I had a romantic liaison. Um, Well, reminiscent of of Susie, Susie, of the Susie episode. And it was pretty good. Um, (laughs) But it was... uh, so I, uh, I, t- I, I took her through the, uh, the, the Papua New Guinea and the little naked natives <laughs> of Bantu Besh and, and, uh, and learning how to operate a, 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 a blowgun with a small poison dart. And unfortunately, I developed the instinctive impulse to inhale rather than exhale. And I ended up shish kebabbing my uvula. And the poison was released through my body. But fortunately, she was there with an antitoxin tea made from the ganja watukidat. <laughs> So I was able to nurse my back to my nurse myself back to help in twenty minutes. So, so this could be your advanced age, but the you you completely you have completely forgotten that I told you about cameo over a year ago. That's probably why I was resisting it at <laughs> at Andino's actually. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 the place where you know it's like the great you know these wonderful coffee and wine shops through the the streets of London and the and, and the environs of uh, of Paris where the great writers and artists would go. You and I go to Andino's to talk about great things. <laughs> Federal Hill is where great ideas are hatched, and that's not all. <laughs> um, so um, on a more serious note, uh. Broadway and local theater has been decimated as a result of the, of the pandemic. And that was such a big part of your life. And you have such a love for it. Um, thoughts? 
You know, I, my heart goes out to all of my actor friends um, who have embraced Broadway as the core of their life. That is what they do. Uh, they move from show to show, from touring company to Broadway to to repertory theaters, and and their ability to work has been stripped from them totally. And and yet they are such bright, creative people, and my heart just bleeds for them uh, because there really is no avenue for them. And there are, you know, people have tried to be as creative in Zoom as you possibly can, but uh, you know, it's it's a um, it's uh, like, you know, sucking on the hind tit in the barnyard, basically. It's just not the same. <laughs> Has Washington done enough for, for this community? I don't know that it's a case of Washington doing enough for the community. It's they've got to get back into the theaters and they have to come back. I, I just I, I believe the philosophy is in it, it, we just we need to basically allow human life to continue with this and and. I just think we're we're not stopping this virus. Um, we're slowing it down. It will, you know, with the with the vaccines that are there, with the therapeutics that have come, we'll probably nurse it back into a corner where it is no more damaging than the flu. Um, and and I think we need to abide by that and stop this endless shutdown of of not just Broadway, but our entire economy and develop and, and education. And I think of that. I mean, I've got a 13 year old son that has been living in his his room online for the last uh, almost a year now, and that, that's it's not healthy. It's not healthy. But do you think, John? And I want to put words in your mouth. You, do, but will people feel comfortable enough to congregate? in theaters, movie theaters, live theater, um, just places of, you know, these crowded lobbies. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that it's going to be a slow process, even when it does reopen. Well, again, I would allow people to use, I, I want people to make their own decisions. I'm a great believer that if people uh, access, they basically assess what the risk is and, and what the reward is and allow the freedom of people to do that. And I, right. Um, I, I believe that it would if, uh, and it wouldn't take very long, uh, before Broadway to come back, but you can't exist with Broadway at a 50%, uh, or 25%, right. uh, uh, you, I mean, it, no show could, no show could survive. No show could survive. Right. Well, let's hope so. Um, I hope so too. Uh, I, I, I will say on the, I will say on, on the other hand, um, that my, I have a one man show that I book as a, uh, as a, uh, uh, uh and you and you know what I'm talking about. The show is called A Man with Standards, and it's done really as kind of a Sinatra a supper club. Uh, that is starting to book up already, oddly enough, because it has the because they know that they can do you know dinner arrangements and and separate, uh, and they can charge a higher price for them because it's dinner and and uh, liquor yeah. included and that type of thing. So that is starting to return. So I'm starting to see bookings come back in for that. So maybe that's a that's a sign of, and that's a way for these performing arts centers to at least put some uh, revenue back on the books. Yeah, and build some confidence, I think. Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. uh, switching gears, <clears throat> there has been a lot of talk online about uh, you being considered for uh, the new Jeopardy host, uh, which <laughs> I have to believe is gratifying to you, but... Um, your thoughts on that, number one. But number two, more importantly, you knew Alex. Um, just some reflection about him? Well, yes. Um, 
I, 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 I'm really sad to see him go. He was a, a, one of the last great patriarchs in that dying genre of game shows that didn't have to pander to find an audience. Um, he was a patriarch. And when he walked on stage, you knew that you were fine and he would take care of the show and the show would maintain its standard. Um, I can't say that about a lot of other shows, some of which I have been involved in. Um, and that's what I loved about that show. And I continue to respect. And if my name is on the short list to, you know, God bless him and God rest his soul, but to, uh, to replace him in the show, I'd love to, because it's a show that is blessed with permanence. I think it is, it's an elegant show that rewards intelligence. <laughs> rather than people trying to be notorious or, you know, trying to uh, take their life apart and make it interesting like a train wreck on television. Um, so many game shows go to that, you know, you know, how stupid can you look on television? And the more you disseminate your life and look like an idiot, the more it's entertainment for the for the um, for the fodder of uh, people watching TV. I, I just I don't agree with that. And, and, and Jeopardy stands out. And so, yes, I would be very, I'd be proud to assume the mantle of, uh, of host, but, um, you know, we'll see. I know I'm on the short list, but. I know. love your phrase, uh, blessed with permanence. Um, and it is, um, it is astounding in a way how embedded in the culture that show is, but, but equally so Alex was, mm -hmm. you, you would never hear a reference to Jeopardy. <clears throat> without a reference to Alex. Mm -hmm. So whenever the the question was posed, it was always ended with the name Alex, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is just uh, so uh, amazing to me anyway. You know, it is. And he was, um, you know, he, he was a great man, a very kind man, a very demonstrative man. He was, you know, for, for all of his, uh, he, he tended to be very dry and dry. Um, but he was a very demonstrative human being. Brian Cranston and I, one of my dearest friends, uh, uh, Brian's daughter was in, um, oh gosh, elementary school, uh, basketball as was, uh, Alex's daughter. And they were there at the same time. So because I'm kind of the inherited uncle, uh, for, uh, Brian's daughter, uh, I go to all of the games with Brian and I got to tell you. You want, you want to talk about the little league parent that you met? <laughs> it was Alex. Oh, he was standing up. And if it was, you weren't play, if his daughter wasn't playing defense, he let her know. It. I mean, he would stand up and I just, I can, I can only imagine what the trip, trip home in the, uh, <laughs> Trebek car was like. So he was a great man, but what did he see in you? Uh, well, you know, every now and then he'd drop his standards long <laughs> enough to just, you know, wave to me. <laughs> um, and finally, because I know you're pressed for time because you have an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so busy an, during this pandemic. It's an appointment. Yeah. Um, let me flip, let me flip the calendar here. <laughs> <laughs> the dog show. Let's talk about mm -hmm. the dog show. Um, yeah. It is, it is a <clears throat> perennial hit. The audience is remarkable, uh, but give me the facts and figures most notably when it is, and where we can find it. Let's start there. Well, let's let's begin with the mantra, dogs until two on NBC. <laughs> so from 12 until two, we want your attention. Uh, the National Dog Show on Thanksgiving Day, 12 to two nationwide. 
it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, this year um, we have to we had to change to augment the show to uh, kind of fit the circumstances. But uh, and I think we did a phenomenal job this year. Uh, instead of having two thousand dogs in an open competition, we've uh, we've pulled back to five to six hundred dogs. But they have they have to have been champions of their breed. So we have five to 600 of the best of the best. So we're going to offer a bar that's been raised higher than we've ever raised it before this year, which I think is a lot of fun for us um, because you're going to see dogs that, I mean, every one of them is a champion. Uh, so that by the time we get to best in show, you really are looking at um, uh, rarefied air. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful show. Discover over 200 episodes of Rhode Island's podcast of record, the Bartholomew Town Podcast, on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your pods. Or head over to our website, ripodcast.com. Now, the difference is going to be David and I are not going to be there uh, at the Philadelphia Kennel Club, the show in Philadelphia, to host it. We'll be hosting it from our homes. David and his and and I and mine, surrounded by our our dogs for the first time and and, uh, actually having Thanksgiving dinner for the first time in 19 years uh, at home rather than uh, at a restaurant in New York. The question on everyone's mind is, will you be wearing pants? (laughs) <laughs> yes, probably not. The very pants that I had planned on putting on display that night at the Mumbai Fashion Mall. Well, you may know it is Mumbai, but it'll always be Bombay to me. <laughs> um, so how many people watch this uh, watch this so-called uh, show? The so-called show, the National Dog Show? Well, we'll... We uh, it's the number one show on NBC all year long. We we do numbers that are just they're they're Seinfeldian numbers. I think uh, when we finished Seinfeld, we were in the in the thirty million range every Thursday night. Uh, those are the numbers that we get on the National Dog Show. They they are un I mean unless you're at the Super Bowl. Uh, the National Dog Show is the number one show you're going to look at all year long. Believe it or not, isn't that? It's remarkable to think that this is such a wonderful piece of television program that really fits into the greatest family day of the year and provides something, whether you're four or you're 94, there's something in it for everybody. So, John, tell me that story about how this began. With uh, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very funny story. The uh, <clears throat> John Miller, who's the head of NBC Sports and was back then, um, took home the movie Best in Show, which is now celebrating, I believe, an anniversary this year uh, from 19, uh, from 19, uh, 19, 19, from 2000, I think it was, yeah, 2000. Um, so it's its 20-year anniversary. Uh, anyway, he took it home for the weekend, watched it several times, laughed his head off. And then the light bulb went off in his head and he goes, I know what we're gonna do with that two-hour slot between the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and football, which is a two-hour slice where they used to show reruns of It's a Wonderful Life, and seven people would watch it. Um, and they had the biggest turnoff factor on television, and they had to kind of build an audience back up again for football. He goes, we're going to do a dog show. Well, they about <laughs> laughed him out of the office on Monday morning when he addressed that. <clears throat> but by the end of the afternoon, he had the Kennel Club of Philadelphia signed on as the national dog show. He had Purina signed on as a presenting sponsor. And Tuesday morning, he calls me in Los Angeles. I pick up the phone and I said, hello. And he said, woof, woof. <laughs> and that's how it started. That's how it started. And, and he said, and he said, 
I want you to do me a favor. I says, I know this is going to sound strange, but I want you to host this show. And I thought about it and I go, and, and you know, I'm thinking that I go up every year on the, to the NBC uh, celebrity sports um, uh, golf tournament up in Tahoe. You know, the biggest names and, you know, Jordan is there, Barkley is there, and all these people have become, you know, friends and, and they always know what you're doing. And I said, I can just see them all up there knowing that I'm hosting a dog <laughs> show, which I had no idea what, I mean, I really had no idea what a dog show was about. In fact, I will tell you, and this is a true story to indicate how, uh, the learning curve that I had. The first year they brought the old English sheepdog up to the judge, which was this elegantly gowned woman. And she <clears throat> walks around uh, to the back of the dog and she starts picking through all of the hair on this old English sheepdog. And if you don't know what an old English sheepdog is, it is 80 pounds of hair and two pounds of actual dog. <laughs> So she's picking through there, and I turned to my co-host, David Fry, the most knowledgeable man in the world of dogs. I said, David, would you explain what she's doing? He says, John, she's putting her hands on the dog. <laughs> to, make sure, to make sure that the shoulders and the hips align with the specification of what the perfect old English sheepdog should be. He said, because you can hide a really bad dog with a really good haircut. <laughs> and I said, you're, I said, you're telling me I went to junior prom. And so... She walks around to the front of the dog and starts picking through all of the hair on the sheepdog's head. I said, David, what is she doing now? He says, John, she's trying to find the eyes <laughs> to gauge the attentiveness of the dog. I said, really? I said, well, if she picks through all of that hair and she finds only one eye, she's got the wrong end of the dog. <laughs> Big learning curve for me, would you say? And, and, and they kept you. <laughs> they did. I know. And do you know? Do you know that Monday morning, Monday morning after Thanksgiving, USA always had their quotables uh, from the uh, sportscasts that uh, that weekend. Yeah. Up in the corner was like notable, you know, one-liners like that. And the top was this: the the winner was the wrong end of the dog, John O'Reilly, at the National Guard. Oh, uh, that's great. So one yeah. more time: when is it, John, and what time? 12 till 2, NBC, the National Dog Show, all over the country. Going to be a great show this year. That's great. Any parting thoughts? I'll bet you can't get wait to get rid of me. You're <laughs> sitting there going, oh, Hurley, could you possibly be more interesting? I, I, I don't know how I do it. I just, it's, it's drugs. That's, a, that's what <laughs> it's it is. It's a lot of drugs. You, I know, that's right. You can just curl um, into a little fetal ball now and scream, Mommy, make it stop. <laughs> make it stop. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.